And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the DNBR Rockies podcast presented by Mile High Green Cross. Sign up for their loyalty program and receive 20% off your entire purchase once per month. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNBR Rockies. And on this episode, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the all-time Colorado Rockies Team. Now, we may have to do this in a couple of installments because I really did want to get the insights uh, from Patrick Lyons on this. And so I think we'll open this up to further conversation both to him and to all of you. Uh, I really wanted to get uh, a bit more of uh, some feedback from each of you and get some of your own all-time starting lineups, some of the things you may or may not agree with from what I did or uh, just in general what you would think would be best whether it's in terms of creating the roster but I also went through and made you know the all-time starting lineup so maybe you agree with me about the people that should be in the all-time lineup but you would put them in a different order or you'd get creative and do something different with the positions I talked about one of those possibilities and I'll do so again on the podcast but First, I wanted to give everybody a chance to read uh, what I've done so we at least have a, you know, working place that we can all start from and we can all say, okay, well, here, here's what Drew did and so here's how I would do it differently because as much as we may hate to admit it, um, you can relatively easily, I'll say, to put it nicely, separate the greatest Rockies of all time. Uh, There were some very difficult decisions, and I'll get into those. Uh, It's where the the big first conversation here will take place. But separating out uh, the all-time greats is pretty easy. The the names that stand out stand out, and and there are are some very legitimate standouts. There, There are some great players in the history of this franchise, but there aren't a ton of great players throughout the history of the franchise. And so creating the all-time starting lineup came with some difficulties, uh, but I think, you know, there's not going to be a huge amount of disagreement about where, um, uh, I mean, about the whole team is what I'm trying to say. But specifically, I think there's going to be some fun conversations. So let's get into it. Um, You know, we, Patrick and I already did the conversation about starting pitching, if you want to go back and listen to that podcast. I highly recommend it. I think this podcast is quite good. So crack open a Strawberry Sky or a Colorado Core or Avalanche, or I've got the Hot Peak IPA right here in front of me, and we are going to go through my all-time starting lineup. And, you know, I'm not going to give away too much of the articles because I, I really hope people are going to go 
and read them. But I do want to get into it here, so I hope you'll go and check them out to get into some of the specific stats, some of the specific reasoning uh, behind it, but I'm going to have to do some of that here as well. Whatever. We're, we're having fun, as much fun as we can these days. And so um, I, I want to begin, actually, with the outfield conversation, because I think this is where uh, there was the most kind of debate, the, where the Colorado Rockies have had the most amount of uh, depth in terms of their talent. And I took, and, and I should maybe back up one second and, and remind everybody of one particular thing, because as I was about to say the first name on my list, uh, I remembered a big part of this conversation is this. The, the premise here that we're working from is essentially that uh, we're walking through a field of dreams and it's all of the Colorado Rockies players are available to us at their absolute peak, their very best. What As a Rocky, whatever their best season or even really stretch of a half a season maybe, but really their, their best season as a Colorado Rocky. We're taking that version of the ball player and we're preserving it. And we're taking them out onto the diamond. And so we're assuming peak and both kind of general health here, right? And so there might have been a very individual, very specific individual that jumped into everyone's minds when I said that. We're not going to get there, obviously, as we're in the outfield. But someone that may come to mind here for both of those reasons, that, that's kind of the epitome of the premise, is who I put in center field and have leading off, and that is number five, Carlos Gonzalez. Uh, one of the, probably the greatest smile, though Dexter Fowler comes in, I think a close second in the history of the Colorado Rockies, one of the great personalities, uh, one of the five best and most important, certainly when we're speaking in terms of longevity, but Ca Carlos Gonzalez's argument is actually uh, not best made in terms of longevity. As we all know, you know, his ultimate career was sapped of him by injuries and in a lot of other organizations he might not be quite on their all-time great lists but they would look back at his peak and we all remember particularly in 2010 uh, when he came in I believe fifth he was top five in MVP voting I, I don't have that particular thing right in front of me but he had all of the tools and when he put everything together he was as much of a nightmare whether he was at the plate or out in the field or on the base paths he could run as good as any of them the cannon of an arm never went away and for those of us who were lucky enough to watch the brief amount of time he spent in center field he was glorious out there i've been told years later that he was not especially a fan of playing center because of the toll it takes on your body and you know, we saw the toll that it took on his body and the toll that it's taken on Charlie Blackman's and there's been you know some of that argument against putting David Dahl out there despite the fact that he's one of the rare guys that really does want to play center field but regardless again of of his want to, if we're preserving health and we're, we're working from a sort of field of dreams scenario where we can take these guys 
and let's say we're going to go out for one season or maybe one postseason, and we're just kind of we don't know who we're going to play, but we're just playing other teams out there for a few you know sets of games here. Uh, Cargo in center, uh, I think he's one of the best to ever patrol center field at Coors again. He didn't do it for very long, and so there's not a whole lot of evidence to support that. But from a tools standpoint, uh, he got great jumps on the ball. He could run as well as anybody. He can fire it back in. We all know that. Um, he, he was just a great all-around athlete, uh, one of the best all-around athletes to uh, ever play for the Rockies. And when you've got you know some thumpers behind him and you don't need him to provide that middle-of-the-order power, I also – like him to lead off. Now he's going to strike out a little more than he'd like, and he's you know is not going to walk a ton on this team. There's not going to be a whole lot of guys who do that. I'm a little bit more old school in this way, where I like speed up top, and I like the ability to, if you have a chance, it, put two speed guys together so that you're not interrupting them. We we were going back and watching uh, game 163 in 2007, and somebody tweeted at me. Um, you know, about, <clears throat> now I'm going to, Willie Tavares. I was going to say Kaz Matsui and the other guy, Willie Tavares, um, and how that speed contact combo, duo, I should say, really, at the top of the lineup for the Rockies that year was a real nightmare. It was one of the things that kept them especially competitive out on the road, and I wholeheartedly agree, and it's one of the reasons I think that the Rockies should strongly consider David Dahl, Trevor Story at the top of whatever current lineup they're going to have when they, whenever they manage to roll back out there. And it's why I went Carlos Gonzalez, Larry Walker uh, at the top because you've got above average speed at both spots and it, we're going to get much slower after this. And so I, I don't want a slow guy in front of either of these taking away their ability to take the extra base or maybe steal occasionally, just go first to third. There's all kinds of reasons you don't want a slow guy in front of a fast guy if you can help it. The other reason is just, you know, the data says your second hitter comes up in high leverage situations more often than anybody, that that's where you want your best hitter. And the Colorado Rockies' best hitter in the history of their franchise is Larry Walker. Uh, that's just... How I see it, that's the, that's pretty clear there. Out in right field, no complaints again. If you've already got cargo in center, there's really nobody else in convert anywhere close to the conversation for best right fielder in Rockies history. Uh, Larry Walker batting second, cargo and Walker at the top of the lineup for my all-time starting nine, Colorado Rockies. I've got Nolan Arenado batting third, playing third. Uh, getting a little bit of a righty in there, too, thinking, hey, you know, late in games, they might be a, a tough lefty coming in out of the pen, at least want to have to make him face one righty out here. And this is a heck of a righty who absolutely obliterates left-handed pitching. In addition to everything else that we know Nolan Arenado does, again, um, while there have been some other interesting and notable third basemen in Rockies history, and this is where we can maybe get into it more with Patrick Lyons, Sure, he'd love to talk up guys like Garrett Atkins, little Juan Uribe. Um, I don't know. There, there are probably a couple of other interesting ones. Jeff Cirillo, I'm trying to think. Uh, Ian Stewart, you know, other third baseman in Rockies history. There obviously uh, really isn't anybody anywhere close to Nolan Arenado. And 
uh, yeah, it's not by default. Even in a team that includes all the names we're going to be talking about here, Walker and so on, he belongs right in the middle of the order, as does the guy I've got behind him, batting cleanup, uh, playing first base, the all-time Mr. Rocky. Uh, I believe a future Hall of Famer here before too long. First baseman Todd Helton, the man himself, uh, the double machine, great hitter all the way around, obviously incredibly low strikeout percent. What does he have? He had like a career 16 or 17 percent strikeout rate uh, and a career on base 414. Unbelievable. And and that really came down in just the last couple of years. He for the first 15 or so years of his career it was around 420 uh, mile high green cross. But yeah, it, it was an absolutely fantastic, fantastic career for Todd Helton as a Rocky and whatever you're counting as his peak, whether it's uh, his year 2000 campaign uh, or his year 2004 season, which is also, I, I think, kind of generally underrated in, in terms of his baseball reference war. It was almost equal with the 2000 campaign where we all know he almost hit 400 for the season. Uh, Todd Helton, cleanup hitter. I, I don't think there's really any argument against that if he had any kind of speed whatsoever you could say he's actually the best all-around hitter um because of the the higher on base and so you want him second uh, but i gave you my reason for walker second instead of helton you know you could flip those two if you really want to i like the speed at the top of the order helton batting fourth uh, i see in no way to be problematic I'll, I'll put it that way I, I don't think there's an issue with having uh having it that way but I would love to hear any of the other permutations of those top four I would also like to hear speaking of top four if that is your Mount Rushmore for the Colorado Rockies uh for me I think that that probably is it I think it kind of has to be there are a couple other people in the conversation and both of them are outfielders so before i jump into that i do need to mention that strava craft coffee is basically magic it's wonderful i'm telling you you're gonna be ecstatic if you try this stuff if you're a regular coffee drinker if you're a semi-regular coffee drinker and you know about all of the crashes the jitters the issues that can come with it um, maybe you got some migraines you've got aches and pains you've got anxiety especially during these uncertain times if you haven't yet i cannot more highly recommend trying strava craft coffee use that promo code dnvr20 you'll get 20 percent off your entire purchase so as i was about to say there we've got a a couple of outfielders to talk about i'm gonna break away a little bit from uh the order here and and i i really do mean a little bit because the first name is the fifth guy in the lineup here that i've got and that is another number five there are two number fives in the lineup as it turns out matt holiday playing left field that's right i put matt holiday in left field here's where we get into a little bit of controversy a little bit of debate um because i think even if you uh, 
Like you could argue, and the name that that is obviously the elephant in the room that hasn't been mentioned now. We've got Matt Holiday on the table. No one's arguing against Larry Walker. We've got Carlos Gonzalez on the table. That means our outfield is full. That means no Charlie Blackman. Could Charlie Blackman be in there over Cargo or Matt Holiday, especially if you're talking about all-time Rockies? I, I think so. In fact, I think by the time it's all said and done for Chuck Nasty, the bearded one, uh, he will be higher on all of the franchise lists than Cargo and Holiday. Um, certainly than Holiday. You know, Holiday's arguments. Well, I'll, I'll get back to Holiday in a minute, but... You know, Charlie's argument isn't just built in longevity. He's had he's had a peak as well. He's been very good in a couple of seasons and mostly pretty good in the seasons around that. His peak hasn't been quite as high, wasn't quite as good as Matt Holiday's best season as a Rocky. Uh, or if we're just boiling it all down to tools, he doesn't quite compete with Carlos Gonzalez. If we're really thinking about, hey, we're trying to build a team here and I, I need to man the outfield, I need defense, I don't know where we're going to play, I don't know the size of the outfield, whatever, but I need, in addition to, it's not like the gap, if you think Charlie Blackman's a better hitter than Carlos Gonzalez, you might have an argument there. If you, if you go through those numbers, there's, there's probably a decent argument to be made that Charlie Blackman's a better hitter than Cargo, and maybe as was he as good a hitter as Matt Holiday was as a Rocky? No. Over the course of their careers, close. Defender, Charlie Blackman, slightly better at his peak. Uh, better, but not significantly better. Substantially better. I don't know which, is, which one of those is more. He's better than Matt Holiday, but still... If he's substantially better than Matt Holliday, then he's also substantially worse than Carlos Gonzalez in that regard. And he's not such a better hitter than Cargo that it overtakes that. So uh, Charlie just got caught up in the numbers and peak game here. I do think that in the long run, he is going to be more indelible to the franchise. He'll be right up there with Todd Helton. And maybe that's it. You know, especially depending on what happens with this whole Nolan Arenado thing. You know, those could be the two guys who played their whole careers as members of the Rockies and were uh, good to great the whole time. But, uh, you know, Charlie Blackman, other than that one season, uh, couldn't really be argued among the very best in the game. And Matt Holliday just spent a little bit longer around that conversation and so he wins out for my left field job but if you wanted to put him out there and left over holiday that it, charlie blackman that is i could totally understand um i don't think given the premise of the conversation about the peak and all of that stuff and assuming health that there's any way you can take him over cargo even though there's a statistical argument to be made I just don't think from a tools standpoint, it's particularly close. Um, if, again, if you're walking through the field of dreams uh, with with Cargo and Charlie there to choose from, I don't 
think too many managers in the history of baseball are going to take Charlie. Although at the plate, I mean, he's he's more disciplined at the plate. There's an argument right right at me. I, I, I want to hear about it. And there's a there's a big argument here, and I and I think um, there are a lot of people who at the next spot in the lineup are going to vehemently disagree with me. And I know there are those of you I'm never going to convince for whom this is true. But again, remember the premise. Remember the premise. Batting sixth, playing shortstop. Number two, Troy Tulowitzki. One of the things that I mentioned in the article, excuse me, and you all know that I'm not the biggest war guy in the world, but from Rockies shortstop to Rockies shortstop, you're going to have a relatively fair comparison. You, you all, my, my problems with war do not extend beyond that framing. Uh, it, it does a lot of wonky things with Coors Field. Their, their numbers are going to be off, but in terms of the two players, this is about as close of a direct comparison as you're going to get. And Trevor Story's best season, which I believe was the one he just put up, was a 6.1, which is very good for baseball reference war. Uh, it's, it's not quite, you know, Larry Walker putting up 8.8, you know, Todd Helton putting up some 8.8s, but those are the few guys that, you know, 6.1 is a very good season. But that would be the fifth best season in Troy Tulowitzki's career as a Rocky. So Story has a way to go. I mean, uh, Troy Tulowitzki hit over 300 several times. Uh, Story has not. Uh, Tulo won several gold gloves running away, and rightfully so. Uh, Story has not won a gold glove yet, and while I believe he's been snubbed in terms of being nominated before, um, I don't know that he's been snubbed in terms of winning it. Uh, I don't think that he's as good defensively. In fact, I don't even think this is that close to being a controversial claim to make. He's a very good defender and one of the best shortstops in the game today. Troy Tulowitzki at his peak was head and shoulders above the best. Like, J.J. Hardy of the Baltimore Orioles was the only guy who was kind of in the conversation in terms of defensive. It's kind of like Matt Chapman. And and then a little bit later on, uh, Andrelton Simmons came along. But that was, you know, after Tulo had done his thing for years and years. In fact, Tulo's best season was probably his rookie season and one of the best overall defensive years on record. The guy was insane. He was clearly the best shortstop in the league, one of the best defenders in the league. He was, and and this is difficult to explain to people, he was what we, what Nolan Arenado is at third base, is what Troy Tulowitzki was at shortstop. And in that way, and again, people just scratch their head at me when I say this, he was more valuable defensively 
from a game-to-game basis at his best than Nolan Arenado is right now. I know that seems crazy, but at shortstop, that's just what happens. You get more chances. There are more times where you have a chance to make your impact on the game. And Troy Tulowitzki, there are some people who are going to write me going, you're absolutely crazy, but there are going to be people writing in saying, this is 100% true. And it was never more true than in 2007 when he had an insane like 790-something chances and only committed seven errors or nine errors. Like It was a single day. It was ridiculous. It was a clinic. There may not have been a better season at shortstop, and it was from this six-foot-four guy that the arm was insane. His for it, no, I, I think Trevor Story is doing great. And again, back it's kind of like the Charlie Blackman conversation. There's is actually going to be Trevor Story will very easily be the best shortstop in franchise history. In fact, again, you could probably argue anyway. Like, hey, in our field of dreams thing, are we playing 162 games? Because if we are. Tulo might get hurt, and I'm going to take Trevor because he'll stay on the field, and then he's also uh, a better base runner, faster. Early in his career, Tulo was a decent base runner and actually could run a little bit, but he he was never never at the top speed that Trevor has, and he doesn't have that overall ability. So you got to give the the that nod to story there. But if we're assuming general health, honestly, it it's Tulo. Kind of easily. I'd love to see Story take that next step and get there and go for a season where he cuts down on the strikeouts. Like the only thing right now that Trevor Story has led the league in so far is strikeouts, just so we're all clear. And he's had a little bit of an injury thing throughout his career as well. Obviously, not to the extent that Tulo did. But he can have a season or two where he hits over 300. He's hitting 310, 315, up to 320. Again, this is stuff that Tulo did. I'm not, you know, while hitting 35 home runs and playing the best shortstop in the game, then he'll have matched what, what Tulo did at his best. He just he hasn't done quite that. Um, he has, however, stayed on the field. So over the course of the season, if you think he's been more valuable, I totally understand. In an individual game... I got to take too low. Even in a seven-game set, um, if you're saying, hey, he might get hurt during that seven-game set, what, I'm rolling the dice. It's not – I mean, there were several years where, where he played enough games, but the the overall ability was just there. Um, and I feel bad for anyone who didn't get to see him in his absolute prime, especially because there you, there wasn't much of getting to see too low in his absolute prime. And sadly, during a lot of that, the Rockies weren't – uh, especially competitive, so people weren't watching very closely. In, in some of, like that September in 2015 when the Rockies were way, way out of it, but he hit 15 home runs in 15 days while also being the best shortstop in baseball. It was unreal. He had Vin Scully speechless. It was... Uh, of all the players for whom this premise would benefit the most... It is Troy Tulowitzki. The the concept of walking through a field of dreams and grabbing a Troy Tulowitzki at his peak in his prime and being able to preserve his health and just put him out there at shortstop and let him do his thing, it it was magical. 
absolutely magical. At second base, there's no controversy. There's no runner-up. There's no debate. I guess apologies to Eric Young, but DJ LeMayhew is the best second baseman in franchise history. Uh, it's it's pretty clear-cut, actually, to me. And, uh, yeah, that's just kind of salt in the wound for the fact that they ended up letting him go, isn't it? That's just pretty darn brutal. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously you're, you're talking about a gold glover, a batting champion. He, did, did he have the power? No. Does that matter when you've got, you know, especially the rest of these guys in your lineup, cargo, Larry Walker, Todd Hilton, Nolan Arenado, Matt holiday, Troy Tulowitzki. You can have one guy out there. Who's like, I'm not going to strike out. going to work the count. going to slap the ball the other way. I'm going to drive all these guys in because they're on base. I'm going to play fantastic defense. I'm going to be consistent. Uh, I'm going to be reliable, probably the most reliable and consistent player in Rockies history. There is a little bit, you know, Tulo got into times where he would strike out a little bit. We, we mentioned Story strikeout. You know, he's not in the starting lineup, but he's obviously, he and Charlie Blackman both make the bench, obviously. Um, you know, Cargo's got swing and miss in that bat. Uh, Nolan's got a little more swing and miss in that bat. So just having DJ out there is a, as a counterbalance and a, you know, Nolan, we know can slump cargo can slump. Uh, Walker didn't slump a ton. Helton was super consistent. So Helton and DJ are your super consistent guys uh, out there. And then uh, the rules of the game dictate that you have to have a catcher. That's my understanding of it. Anyway, I'm getting to know this baseball Based, based ball? Is that based ball? And uh, as you all know, not a lot to work with here from a Rocky standpoint. You could go with Chris Iannetta if you want to. I went Yorvi Torrealba because I wanted to. Uh, it, it, I mean, the, the numbers aren't great for anybody. If you really want to get technical, like maybe Patrick Lyons will come on here and give a passionate uh, plea argument case for Jeff Reed because he actually put up the best single season war in Rockies history. I went Tori Alba because he was on, he was the catcher on the team that went to the world series. And I felt like he worked really well with those guys. He knew how to ride the momentum. He knew when to call the timeout. He knew how to work a pitching staff. He knew how to call a game. Uh, he knew how to calm everybody down. That team was known for not making mistakes. I think he was one of those calming influences and so i went with your Torrealba. if you want to go with ionetta because he might have a little bit more pop and you like him taking those walks out of the eight hole knock yourself out um okay so that's what i got another thing that i got is wgt golf guys i'm super excited about this they're a new sponsor they're doing a lot over on the gaming side but they're also a game and you all know that i'm a big gamer uh, i've been loving playing this you can play it on your computer you can play it on your phone it's super easy to pick up and learn it's difficult to master though i will say it presents a, a fun challenge but uh if you want to play uh, a type of golf where you're playing real golf games, you got to do long game, drive, work down, 
putt, do all that stuff. You can play against friends. Uh, you can play against strangers online. There's always people on there. There's like over 20 million people on this thing. Uh, but you can also play like just the closest to the hole challenges. You can go out and drive. They got real courses for you to take a look at. It's so much fun. Uh, you can challenge those of us in the office. Uh, myself, Patrick Lyons is really good at it, so challenge him if you think you've got what it takes. Challenge me if you just want a fun game where we're both going to be hitting around in the sand and laughing and drinking Breck brews and talking to each other uh, over the little in-game chat that they've got, building up our our avatars to look cool and wearing DNVR gear, and you can come join the DNVR clubhouse. It's so much fun. It's just another way we can create a community. It's totally free to download, so check it out. Get it on your phone, on your computer, WGT Golf. It's a top golf game. If you know Top Golf, they do, you know, all kinds of great stuff here in Colorado. Check them out. It's a ton of fun. So, that is my starting lineup for the Colorado Rockies. As I mentioned, I do also have Charlie Blackman and Trevor Story on the bench. They were incredibly tough omissions from the starting lineup, but it's just how it had to go. I gave you my reasonings for that. Rounding it out, I do have a couple other picks and one that maybe may stir up a bit of controversy, but justifiable and similar vein to the Carlos Gonzalez situation. I brought Ellis Burks on the bench as my fifth and final outfielder after Charlie Blackman. You know, I like Blackman's bat off the bench. Uh, I think there's a lot of versatility there. Burks gets the nod, sadly, over Dante Bichette, who's a personal favorite and has the you know longevity argument. Certainly a more indelible Rocky meant more to this organization, probably means more to most fans, but if I'm trying to win these baseball games, Ellis Burks b brings a speed and defense combination off the bench. I've got either Matt Holliday or Charlie Blackman playing left field, so I might want a defensive substitution late in games, and Dante Bichette is not that. Uh, Ellis Burks would work really, really well for that, so I'm taking Ellis Burks off the bench. He can be a defensive replacement. He can come in and pinch run. Uh, just a really good tool set there for Burks. And uh, his best season in, uh, again, going back to that conversation about Tulo and, and Story and their battle of war, ain't neither of them got anything on the 7.9 that Ellis Burks put up in 1996. So if we were really going pure peak, there's an argument that Burks should be starting in center field over Carlos Gonzalez, but I couldn't quite extend the the premise quite that far. But if if you want to call me on that and say actually it should be Burke starting in center field, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter. Uh, have a comment in the uh, in the comment section there on the DNVR.com. So we've got our outfield taken care of with Trevor Story on the bench. He can also come in and back up at third, short, and second base, so we're good there. Uh, you do need to have a backup catcher, I guess. I was like, we can pretend like we don't, but we we do. I'm not going to go out, so uh, apologies to Vinny Castilla, who if I was going to just take the next best Rocky and a hitter, uh, Vinny Castilla would have made the list, but Tony Wolters has to be in there as a backup catcher. Again, go with Chris Iannetta if you want. 
I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty details of the incredibly mediocre catchers that the Colorado Rockies have had throughout their history. And the final spot on the bench, because there's only one spot that has not yet been backed up. We need another indelible face of the franchise. We need to feel good after Drew left off Dante Bichette and Vinny Castilla. So we've got Andres Galarraga, just one of the best hitters in franchise history. It was a decent first baseman in terms of fielding. Obviously, no Todd Helton, but he was actually fine over there. But yeah, if you're going to have uh, a bat off the bench, why not have a guy who sat on like 39 home runs and 120 RBI for five years? Uh, love love having Andres Galarraga, big power bat off the bench. A little bit more swing and miss there. So if you wanted to lean toward Vinny Castilla, who's going to make slightly better contact if you're thinking a one out of one at bat, this this guy is more likely to be you know your your scary hitter off the bench late in the game. Galarraga is more susceptible to strike out, so maybe you, you lean toward Castilla. I can see that argument. I would love to hear any arguments that any of you would like to make. In the meantime, I hope you'll just keep following on all the social media. Get involved. Get ready to talk game 163 with us here very, very, very very, very soon. <laughs> Make sure you subscribe to the DNVR.com. You get your merch purchased. You're supporting all of our fine sponsors during this time, getting Manscaped, getting some Breck Brews, your Mile High Green Cross situation. Head out to the farmhouse. Get some Bojo's Pizza. I'm telling you that WGT golf game is a whole lot of fun. Otherwise, I just hope you will continue to be absolutely awesome. I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.